0: This is Adventure Nannies On Air. I'm Shenandoah, And I'm Brandy. Our company is Adventure Nannies, and we talk about nannying, traveling, professional development, and also whatever we want. We'll try to keep our potty mouths to a minimum, but this podcast is not suitable for kids. You can find out more about us at AdventureNannies.com. Alright, welcome to Adventure Nannies On Air. We're here today with Soon Kim. We couldn't be more thrilled to have you Soon. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Soon is an educator extraordinaire, especially during this crazy crisis with all of our families having to homeschool their kids. Every single family out there, not just ours, is doing that. So we are here to seek your advice Soon. Can you give us a little background
1: on what you do, what your expertise is? It's quite hard to describe as some of my clients have told me, but I'm going to do my best. I would say I my expertise is in education, and that can mean actually quite a lot of things, consulting institutions and schools, think tanks. But the majority of my work is actually with private clients and families. So it can be anything from academic subject tutoring to college admissions the legal way, right, <laughs> test prep, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> um, the legal way, the not going to jail way, um, and also diagnostic things, uh, f- understanding how a student learns. And this can be – I have a really wide range of students. My youngest right now is eight. Uh, my, my oldest student is 24, applying to med school, wow. uh, who majored in neuroscience, and she's incredibly, incredibly hardworking and smart. So there's a quite a large age range and depending on the student, their family and their needs, their personalities, it, it can be a lot of different things. I would say that my biggest, I think, role in, for a lot of families is helping them navigate education and in the process of doing that, helping their children grow up too, right? So being yeah. not just an educational guy, but someone who through the lens of education helps their kids sort of figure out who they are right, identity, what they want. Um, One of my students that I'm thinking of right now, actually, is so bright. I mean, really incredibly, incredibly bright. The biggest thing she needs to work on is actually learning how to know what she wants, right? Oh, that's huge. 14 years old, really, really pretty, smart, kind. I mean, her parents are like the best people. I love them. Um, She's actually one of the first students of mine who whose parents I knew as friends, right? Oh wow. So <laughs> the like the beginning of this like wave. Lenny right?
0: will be your next
1: one. <laughs> I, I, Lenny Lenny you have a, you have a reserve spot, Lenny, okay? Maybe <laughs> pocky sticks together remotely, you know? Um, it's gonna be wonderful. Wonderful, right? Um, and her biggest thing is quite quite literally knowing how to advocate for herself, not saying that something is her parents' decision you know, Mm -hmm. or her coach's decision, but that it's she owns her decision, she owns her decision making process. So her homework is everything from, you know, learning the true meaning behind Romeo and Juliet, which is not about love, but in fact, about sex, right? Um, Mm. And societal boundaries to by the way, you need to go to a restaurant and order a new dish every single time. You need to own that decision, you don't have to finish and all of it. But you need to start being comfortable not being perfect and making mm. risk, and little things like that. I'm looking at this 14-year-old child, right, and I'm thinking, or woman now, right, and I'm thinking I want her to be really capable of making decisions and owning them. And so I guess to some point, <laughs> this is a little bit of a digression, but I think completely related to what I do is I really look at the entire child. So yeah. it could be that you are autistic, you're on the spectrum, you have major, you know, uh, a major speech impediment, you need help crafting language. Uh, you might see the same issue with math or language often related. Um, or it could be that you have other things that you need to work on that are really hard to see, I would say, for maybe a traditional teacher. So hmm. things like that. And that's kind of what I do. And I'm super... Privilege, I mean, beyond words, because I see these kids grow up, and a lot of them are now like in their late twenties, like early thirties, which is crazy. <laughs> you know, wasn't that, that is much, crazy? Right? Yeah, not much older than them when I worked with them, so it's 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 crazy. So, and what's right your up. education background? I am a total mutt, so I'll tell you. Like, I was raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is. Really, man, like what a what a great place to grow up, right? Um, so lovely in terms of nature, atmosphere, culture. And I went through the public school system, come from a very, you know, humble middle-class background um, and, you know, had a crazy diverse group of friends at school and just people I went to school with introduced me to a lot of different uh, family situations, dynamics, you know, cultures, right? And then I went to um, UC Berkeley, so I went to public um, undergraduate education, and then went to grad school in England in, at Cambridge, um, came back and started teaching again, this entire time had been private tutoring, teaching, teaching classes. Um, and then, you know, after Cambridge came back to the Bay Area, taught some at Stanford as an adjunct, and then also uh, eventually moved to New York to be a, I guess you would call it an educational manager slash governess. <laughs> it's a chain air type word, but really the best way to describe it. So yeah, a little bit all over the place, like Bay Area, um, England, then back to California and then to New York. Yeah. Um,
0: I think your background's super
1: fascinating. What did you get your degrees in? Okay, so undergrad was literature and biochemistry, and not in education, which a lot of people ask me. So it's not necessary for you to get a degree in education to do what I do necessarily. You need to have intuition, good people sense, humility, and ability to change and be flexible. Um, And I I did take some education classes, but that was definitely not my focus. It was both a love of writing and literature, you know this from knowing Mm -hmm. me, right? And also this very left-right brain also the thing. very best pin pal ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, Brandy, right? Um Yeah, so I kind of, I think I was very indecisive and couldn't decide. So I just did both. And then even going to Cambridge, I mean, as you know, um, my mom passed away when I was in college. So I just had a crazy shakeup in my life. Um, and even deciding what to do next. I mean, I was torn. I was like, law school, med school, like, you know, the generic stuff. And I'm like okay, you know what? Screw this. I'm going go to I'm gonna go study literature, something I love, right? And so then I went and I decided the night before. I mean, I had to, like, go to the embassy. Like it was so last minute. Wow. I always tell my students, who's a lot, many students of mine, their lives are planned very precisely. I mean, this is kind of a metaphor for right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I always tell them, it's okay to fail, and not know what you want to do. And it's okay for your goals to shift and change. That's okay. That's part of being human. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here and in a career that I love, you know? So that's sort of, for me, I think a huge motivating factor in terms of, you know, when I'm guiding students in terms of what they're studying in school, even what school to go to, right? The thing that I take them to kind of depressurize the situation is you're not going to make a mistake, honestly. Even if you go somewhere and you're miserable, like I had a student who went to USC, hated it, and eventually moved back to New York, love with this kid, watch this girl, kid grow up. I'm like, everything, and she agrees, everything that you've been been through, right? Even that hard, difficult stuff has led you to appreciate everything about your life right now, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think, in a sense, I apply this to adults as well, right? But especially for children, especially for kids who feel pressure, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. their parents have resources. Maybe they're the children of immigrants, right? Where they feel like they need to achieve. I tell them, let go of that as much as you can. You need to be human. You need to work on your integrity and your character. And then everything else will follow, you know? You're a hard worker. If you're a hard worker and you're a kind person, that for me is ace, ace. That's the best thing you can be. That's the thing that I look for in families that I work with, right? What's unusual... I think what's unusual about what I do specifically right now is I really interview families really closely. I mean, it's kind of, I think what you guys do on your end, right? As an agency is kind of like vet and figure out a match. And for me, I look at them carefully because it's they're going to be people I spend time with and I have children, um, but also because I don't want to waste time, right? Resources mm-hmm. and time. And for me, my time is so precious. So I'm thinking, are these people... Both the parents and parents and the children, are they open to what I'm going to do? What my educational philosophy is? A lot of times parents will look at pedigree, right? Yeah. You have a pedigree. Oh, I like that you're, you know, I like that you're, you know, you went to Berkeley, you went to Cambridge and you taught a little at Stanford and you're an adjunct in New York. And like, you know, I like, I like all those things that you put on a resume. And in fact, I will tell you that none of those things, right? I think are what make me special to these kids and these families. The Mm. the thing that I've heard the most feedback about is how they feel. I love them and care about them. Right. Yeah. That's super beautiful. Yeah. And that's something that you can't necessarily train. Right. Mm. So there's some people who are more, you know, sensitive and intuitive Mm -hmm. and there are other, you know, there are other, I would say there are a lot of educators out there who have beautiful pedigrees. (laughs) I mean, Everything you could wish for on paper and lack social skills or don't connect with your kid. They could connect with 99% of kids and just don't connect with yours, right? For whatever reason. And that's okay. That's not a moral sin or something that's something that can be helped that people are matches, right? And then I also think like you can learn to adapt to people too. Mm -hmm. So I would say flexibility. I don't know. Giving people a chance.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's really great to keep in mind especially considering our current situation where we have a lot of people at home now forced into a role that they mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. imagined they would have. <laughs> a lot of people are never. trying to work their full-time jobs while mm-hmm. homeschooling their kids. Mm-hmm. Some people are looking for home private educators to homeschool while they can continue working. There's a lot of different there's a lot of different solutions to this issue that people are searching for right now, but Yeah. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about this current situation and how it's different from a normal situation. And then also provide our families some tips for being an educator all of a sudden.
1: Yes. I'm going to, let's get into it. I think there's nothing normal about right now. And that goes, I mean, top down everything and, and your children being home all day with you. That's number one. That's not normal for most people. (laughs) Definitely, definitely not. Right. So I think everyone needs to accept that. I will say from the get-go with this that in some ways, I think it's great because I think parents will respect teachers with a profound reverence, you know? Like, I mean, I think we need to all bow down to teachers Mm -hmm. and, and the incredible job that they do, right? Because not only do they instruct your children they nurture them they care for them right um sometimes they function as the nurse and the therapist and i i I, I, i'm actually grateful in that sense that kids are home and that they're with their parents and the parents can actually see oh my gosh this is so much work yeah i also think it'll be eye-opening too not just for you know, your traditional school teachers, but for people like me, my cousin texted me from Calabasas and said, I don't know how you do your job. I'm about to go crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like, it's one-on-one, but I'm about to go mentally insane, you know? (laughs) And so I think all around, we're appreciating our healthcare workers, our restaurants, and let's please include our teachers, our educators, our nannies, really, truly the village that raises each child, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, for parents at home, I think flexibility, I'm going to go back to that because even in normal times, the things that I look for when I'm, I'm looking at prospective families, when, once I commit they're in my life for a very long time, I'm thinking of one family right now, like going on 16 years, Wow. five children. So I'm thinking, are you flexible? Not even by the way, Brandy, not even with me. Are you flexible with your kid? Can you mm. accept the fact that your child will be different a month from now, six months from now? Can you, can you pivot? Can you meet the child where they are? If you can't do that, then no that's one so is going to satisfy you. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's true. And I would say it's same for friendships, right? You yeah. and me, I mean, me, um, the relationship I have between you know the girls and myself, like, can you pivot? Can you change? Can you meet somebody where they are? I'd say that's an interpersonal, very important skill. And as parents right now, if you're home with your kids, You don't have the resources to hire a private educator. You don't have the time. Like, we are in an emergency, a public health emergency. Can you be flexible? Can you be understanding with your teachers who are trying to teach your children remotely, right? Right. Never having any training in it. Can you be flexible with your kids who also are experiencing new things? And then, again, if you have the resources and the time and it works and you can hire an educator... You don't have to make a perfect decision, right? You need to be flexible and know that this is all. Um, this is everyone's playing everything by ear right now. Can you extend courtesy and kindness and compassion the same way that you would be expect you would accept, expect to receive it right now? Those are all yeah, things that huge. that I would say, right? Um, in terms of what to look for, I think both in an educator and a family, actually, they're really similar. Right? So, if you're an educator looking for a family or family looking for an educator, flexibility, mm-hmm. uh, kindness, like those are the things that you cannot um, invent or scrub away. Okay. If someone is kind, you cannot extract that no matter what happens. Right.
0: Yeah. You can be in a
1: tragic freak accident. You can have familial problems and you can still be a kind person. You can still be a decent human being. Those, those experiences and those traits, I feel like are incredibly important when you're looking for someone who's going to be around your kids, Mm -hmm. right? Or vice versa, when you're going to spend your time in a family unit. I think you and I both know that whether you're a nanny or an educator, a housekeeper, if you're in someone's home, they're in your home, it's you, it's such an intimate space that we see every wart. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We see every foible. We see every weakness. And it's, it's, I think incredibly important to be compassionate, to realize that we have our own words and to be like, it's okay. Right. Yeah. There's some things that are deal breakers for sure. And there are other things that you can just relax.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just Mm
1: -hmm. accept that you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. I would also say in terms of educators right now, um, if you are looking for one or actually, actually if you're the educator, you're the parent, right? Is making sure this is, I think very important for parents at home right now and much easier said than done considering like the news cycle and everything that's happening. And it's something I mentioned to you before too, which is that when you interact with your children to calm down and just as much as possible, hone in on the actual interaction and not get distracted so that's so hard right now and it's so important so hard but like headspace I, i know they're doing free like um meditative like the it's an app for meditation but it's free now calm i use that too but anything sam harris has a great podcast right he's a neuro he has a neuroscience background but he loves mindfulness so anything where you can calm and quiet your mind so that your child children are so perceptive right who's not reading the wall street journal, right. He's not reading the New York times can feel that you're actually, you know, with them, right. That yeah. you're in that space with them. And it's okay. Again, if you're distracted or you're not, like that's yeah, okay. Too. I
0: don't like, think anyone's experienced the type of anxiety as a whole, as a community that we're experiencing right now. That's
1: really yeah. huge. And it's, and that's okay too. So it's not like, you know, you don't have to be like some crazy mindfulness expert. Yeah. I'm saying, to be cognizant, okay, to walk into a space, take five breaths, you know, and Mm -hmm. just be, okay, I'm present. I'm right here, you know, and I I need to, I need to focus. If you have multiple children, so whether you're the nanny, an educator, a parent, you know, kids have different needs. My younger one, Isla, is extremely needy. (laughs) (laughs) No, she doesn't listen to this one day. (laughs) Claire is completely independent. You can, you know, she can read, five books in a day and be fine. And I was like, I need you to listen to my soliloquy. You know, I need you to listen to my pronunciation. Like so incredibly, um, she's really extroverted. So paying attention to that too. And by the way, I don't believe in even, even, I don't believe in even, even relationships, like, you know, marital, romantic or child parent. You're not going to give 50% of your time to one kid and 50% to another. You can mm. try that, but it may not work so well. So keeping that in mind too, that some of your kids may need more from you right now. And it can flip, right? It can mm. change by the day. And again, it goes back to flexibility yeah, and to having empathy and compassion for everyone's circumstance.
0: Yeah, so, that's huge.
1: I'd say that's extremely important. Yeah.
0: And then I know you and I talked, chatted about this a couple days ago, just sort of the desire. I know I found myself doing this when all of this first happened. Thankfully, my child isn't old enough to need schooling right now, but I Mm -hmm. did try to control every little thing that I could in this Mm -hmm. small reality of our household that I have. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of our Mm -hmm. friends who might have an education background or who might just want the best for their kids or try to create this perfect situation where their kids have a great education this whole time are making flow charts of how their day is going to go. Like yeah, planning, planning everything <laughs> down to the minute. Yeah. Do you want to touch yeah. on that? in
1: your, your yeah? Thoughts I'm going to talk about that seen? actually. Yeah. Actually going back to my background, I, I was one of the first people to do remote learning oh, right wow. now. Very little about my life has changed because I would say all but one student really is already on Skype. We already do remote learning. I have clients from California to Brazil, to Europe. I mean, all over the place, Texas, like you name it. So it's very different, you know, different for me in the sense that actually not much has changed in that way. And because of that, I am super particular about scheduling, Google Calendar. Like my assistant is really organized too. Like we have it down to a machine given that background that i'm like that i will tell you that the schedule thing which i did with military precision okay the first i'd say like seven to ten days seemed to be working and then just totally went to shit. and i'll tell you why because that is not going to work right now you have so many other variables if you if you have like a mil- actual military background, like it may work, right? Your Navy SEAL, <laughs> yeah. Like, my brother in law, yeah. Special yeah. forces, they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, they're doing it. I mean, that's like that's you know, his it's, comfort it's, zone. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, or you by the way, the opposite. You have a child who thrives on it, right? Mm-hmm. So you give them this schedule and they're just like loving it. They like to check things off, give themselves gold stars, like this is gonna work for them. Again, it's highly individual. I think what's a healthier thing for me and I know the schools are all sending out It's kind of cracks me up because they'll send out what they what would be their normal school schedule and like that's not gonna work Right. It's not gonna work for an 8 year old or a 10 year old even a 12 year old even a 14 year old, right? a lot of schools are uh, Tried to emulate the school schedule and then revised it 10 days later because they're like this is not gonna work Yeah, so I would say instead of doing something that's an hour by hour schedule for most people, again, other kids may love it. You may have the time and the resources to do it. I don't recommend it though, honestly, um, is instead just to focus on, hey, not even like what are we going to do today? But what we, what do we want to explore this week? Okay, what what's something that we can all do together? It could be foraging. It could be drawing something. I think the most important thing, whether you're, suddenly thrown I mean everyone's I think all almost everyone right now is suddenly thrown into being your child's homeschool teacher, Mm -hmm. right? You don't suddenly have to be, you know, the best teacher ever, right? What you need to do is think, okay, it's like going to your pantry. It's like what skills do I have? Okay. What are the things that I actually just love to do? You don't even need to be good at it, right? Like what are the things that you naturally like to do? What what are the things that you know you can do that you have tons of joy doing okay and then you do those things with your kids mm. you can use almost anything that you do and make it education so i'm going to give you a great example isla loves to cook okay i am so that's so not my thing like i'm okay but like this is not something that's great but she's you're more factions. into the
0: eating side i'm definitely more
1: into the eating <laughs> side randy yes you know so it's so so um I mean, really, that's how we met. So, so, you know, Isla loves cooking. She's really precise and, you know, and she's learning fractions. So bingo, there we go. Fractions, learning how to cook, right? hmm Just even things like everyday normal life, it's spring, you're going out, right? So I totally understand that not every parent is going to have a biochemistry degree, right? Or, or majored in science, but guess what? Everyone has eyes, right? Um, most of us can see. We can get binoculars, right? Yeah. And we can start looking at birds and paying attention to leaves, and sketching them, and paying attention to the structure of things, even if you don't know what they are. You can get a field guide. Um, you can look at your area's foliage. Like you can. I know we're not like wandering around, but you can go to your backyard. Yeah. You, know, you can go. You can look out you know, the window of your apartment. Yeah. Exactly. You can look at the out the window and look at all the buds. You can start tracking them, right? So these are all things that you know you may not be doing, quote unquote, as challenging things. Although I would beg to differ. Yeah. Observing things, soaking things in. How amazing is that for you as a human being to pay attention? Yeah. Right. That's so beautiful. Notice. Yeah, and to notice changes day to day. For instance. I remember, um, at Berkeley, it was, we called it terrible, terrible, but rocks for jocks class, which is like basic astro, right? I think it took us like freshman year. And one of the most challenging assignments, if you could believe this was tracking the moon and something, something, the constellations, it's been been a while now, but you had to do it with precision at the same time every single day. Mm. And I actually hated it. That was probably my least favorite part of that class. Or just paying attention, understanding that all these minute little things add up to something. That's a good thing to teach kids too, right? Yeah. And to maybe also think about one, one thing that was really interesting that my student told me, um, and she's she's the older student, and she said, you know, I was running the other day. She lives in Austin. She's like, I was running the other day, and I'm so used to listening to podcasts. And she's very cerebral. And she goes you know what, then I heard the birds and I decided to just to take them out and actually just to listen to where I am. She's like, that would never have happened, you know, pre-COVID, pre-all of this. Mm. And that's, you know, you're 24. You learn that at 24, you're going to have a different experience of your life at 24, Yeah. right? Yeah. Then you would, you know, pummeling through. So paying attention, being present even as difficult as it may be right now those things are incredibly important for personal growth yeah i would say right 100 so yeah so things like that and if you can participate with your children in any of those things things you're good at i have friends who are you know who are really good at you know playing jazz on the piano right even if the kid is just appreciating it or records or any type of music, um, you know, anything that you not necessarily are even good at, but you are interested in. Yeah, we're all at home, like explore, you need to learn one lesson ahead. That's it. Yeah,
0: that sounds a lot like uh, some of our families are um, world schoolers or unschoolers. And it makes total sense Mm -hmm. to me. We have one family that teaches their kid all subjects through cooking and another kid learns Mm -hmm. everything through video games. Um, exactly. But what would you say to parents? I know every school has every school district has a different protocol for this that they've sort of laid Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And some people are really trying to be rigorous in following so that they still do well on the standardized tests and they still, you know, check all the check boxes that their schools want them to Mm -hmm. at the end of Mm -hmm. this. And some aren't. But what what do you have to say to parents that are really just trying to follow, that, that, that like, can't really let go and be in the moment is because it that they they're just so can't... focused on trying to do exactly mm. what they're told by the school?
1: But are they so focused on it because of their own anxiety, or is it they're focused on it because they see intrinsic value in it? I guess that's my question. Right. right? Or maybe, maybe I think both.
0: that's a really great question because I think it's a mm-hmm. really cool question to pose to you because – I think you, your job is to help these families reach their end goals, which is getting them into extraordinary colleges when they graduate yes. from high school. And so what would you have to say about sort of following this generic program for your kids at a school days out versus getting binoculars and watching an ant farm <laughs>
1: or not a binocular? Let me, let me but- yeah, let me be clear. I'm going to say this and and, and I'll be careful because I don't want to be judgmental. I don't think any of us can judge any parent right now. Mm -hmm. If for you as a parent, it brings you a lot of comfort to do that. And that helps you be more sane in your household. That's going to be better for your kids. Okay. For sure. Yeah, That's huge. Yeah. I would say that right now you can see this one of two ways. I need to catch up. I need to do everything traditionally. Why do that? That was my question right now. You have an opportunity to basically upend the status quo. It's already upended. It's already happened, right? So you're trying to fit an old model into a new situation. This is how I see it. So instead of, you know, doing something where your children could actually have a different type of education, almost a a sabbatical for their education, Mm. that they can learn things in these next few months that could greatly impact them for the future, right? There are higher rates of suicide anxiety and depression right Mm. so i'm saying you could use this time actually to think about your child holistically and not necessarily check mark check mark after you do this this and this and this who cares honestly who cares right Right. one thing that i tell parents even in non-pandemic times is your child very likely is not going to get into any school it i for me again i want kids to go to schools where they can thrive not because of pedigree But if you are someone who cares about pedigree and you want to be honest about that, let's have that honest conversation, right? So you want to go to Harvard or Yale or, you know, um, MIT, right? I'm just throwing a few out there. Your kid is not going to get into school because they're perfect at everything, actually. You know, they're going to get into that school because they have a passion for something, because they're good at one thing, Mm. because there's something that drives this person and makes them unique. Colleges don't want a bunch of people who are, you know, mediocre to pretty good at a lot of different things. (laughs) Like that's not, that's not gonna, if, if that's what brings you joy, like you love to, you know, dabble in everything, then do that again, if that's what makes you happy. But from a very practical, logistical and strategic point of view of getting your kids into college and grad school, that's not going to help them get in, honestly. It's the same thing for, actually, I want to mention this because I think it could very much help a lot of families. A lot of families will shell out so much money for summer programs that they believe are, like, the best thing ever, right? Oh, it'll look good. They're doing all this stuff. And I want everyone to realize right now that every family with resources is also doing that. Instead of putting your kid into a program that you think looks great, again, on paper, right? Do something that actually they love that will help change our perspective, that will help them view the world differently. So if I think that in a normal, non-pandemic time, the advice that I'm going to give is very similar now, maybe even more so, which is why don't you, instead of doing things, unless again, you're somebody who has to do this and it's for your mental health and helps your family, why don't you take this opportunity to just view things a tiny bit differently? We're being forced to do that anyway, right? And so. Instead of like this very rigid, like I need to do math and I need to reading and I need to writing, you know, maybe think differently. Think about, look at your house. Look at the things that you have around. Most of us have so much stuff and junk, Yeah. Right? Can you make piles and donate? Can you think about what you actually need? That's an amazing lesson for your children. Why don't you think about how you use your space. Why do not you have the kids diagram, a, you know, a picture of their room and have them be conscious of what's around them. These are all things to me that are vastly more important, right? Right. They have how many more years to be in a traditional educational setting? Many. This is a few months, a few months of irregularity that could potentially be an opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I say that, by the way, acknowledging my own, a little bit of my own hypocrisy and privilege because this is what I do for a living and I've had a lot of friends from coast to coast and abroad ask me for a lot of advice and the thing that I tell them, right, is it doesn't matter. You're their parent, you love them, you actually know them, right? You have such an advantage, right? You know this person or you're the nanny, you've known this kid. so because of that knowledge and because of how much you care about them, you're already in a position to do something kind of awesome. Yeah. Kind of cool in a very unusual time. So yeah, that's
0: exciting. Know, that's I've never thought of it that way. That's a really exciting opportunity. Yeah. And we
1: were talking about this, like with Lenny, how he's like loving all the attention. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> like, is the best thing that's ever happened. Everybody's no. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, seriously. Cause we're always super distracted and, it's the same with the girls like either we're always on a schedule we're always doing a million different things and just being still like reading together at night lighting candles for dinner i know it sounds kind of cheesy but like doing simple rituals that are beautiful and kind of simple and yeah
0: Yeah, the other night we laid in bed and watched the snow fall and we've never done that before and it was beautiful with lenny lenny loved it
1: yeah And by the way, think about how, not only how good that is for Lenny, but how good that it is. It was so
0: good for us. Yeah. Yeah. I need to stop reading the New York times all, all day,
1: every day. It's so bad. Oh my gosh. Me too. It drives me crazy. You know, I've put a limit on myself. Like I'm like, I can only, I can only read it once a day. That's it. And that's my fix for the day. It's like an addict. I'm like, I can't no more. Okay. I'm, I'm literally limiting myself to 10 minutes of, you know, random articles and then I'm done okay I can't I can't do this anymore and I think again it's tuning into my own anxiety and my own sense of stress right now um because even again going back to like this is what I do for a living and I've been doing it for a long time right Mm -hmm. is this is still not normal for for the kids they're usually in school and they're not home all the freaking time Right. right that is mentally like super draining for every parent and I have to say, whether you're a nanny, a parent, an educator, a housekeeper, who's kind of a nanny, who's, you Mm -hmm. know, any position where you're around children who this is very abnormal for them, man, forgive yourself. It's okay. Like, we're all not – I I had so many um, messages and emails and texts from people saying, like, I feel like such a failure. Can you help me? I'm, I'm really having such a hard time. And I go, no, you're not failing. You're doing an awesome thing right now, right? Mm-hmm. You're loving your kids. You're worried about them. You're caring about them. Like, how much more can you do beyond that, right? Right. I think that's the most important thing right now, right? I think it's okay. If the schedule doesn't work for you, let the schedule go. It's all right. They're going to survive, okay? They're children. Yeah. And you know what they're not going to survive is feeling crazy amounts of like tension and anxiety because you think you're failing as a parent right <laughs> right yes. homeschooling your kids that's much worse mm-hmm. yeah i would say just be completely flexible and i would say flexible too to the people if if they are coming to your house or in your home already and they're quarantined and, and locked in with you being compassionate and being very caring right i feel like A lot this time also is super revelatory for people in terms of not just other people, but for themselves. And so I think all that tuning in one thing that I've actually been asking every student Mm -hmm. that I work with that I've found to be extremely helpful. This is just like a practical thing to do is to journal. And what I told them to do was actually not a traditional journal, like, you know, writing in a diary. It can be images, voice memos, um, even a recipe, even what you ate. It could be three lines, just no pressure. I love that. And just recording, giving snapshots of this crazy time right now. I think doing something like that and seeing the pattern of things as they unfold is really beautiful. And it's also therapeutic. And so all of the kids have been doing that. I love that. And they're all different. So that's the kind of like repetitive pattern rigidity that i like which is you do this every day but what it looks like for you is different you can do it on a post-it you can do it on google doc you can do it on your phone you can just take pictures if you're visual right Mm -hmm. you can do it through cooking if you like to cook and eat like whatever works for you right now is is amazing like it's gonna it's it's amazing because for you
0: yeah yeah No, that's huge. I wanted to ask you, I know this comes really naturally to you as an empath and an educator to kind of tune into somebody and kind of create a plan or create a day around what they need. But there are so many Mm -hmm. families that haven't spent a lot of time with their kids up until this point because they're very successful, you know, working all the time or even just working because they have to put food on the table obviously um but yeah this is a very unusual situation and I think it takes some reprogramming of ourselves to be able to tune into a child fully so what are some questions or some practices that you could offer parents or educators to get to know each individual
1: because that's a really like that's really easy
0: for you to do but it's kind of a mental
1: Mm -hmm. It requires mental gymnastics for other people. Yes, I totally agree with this. So there's a couple things. Um, First, I'm going to tell you just a quick anecdote because you touched on something that I think is um, important to what I do. I had a client. It was like many, many years ago. I think I was pregnant with Claire. It was in the Hamptons, and we're all eating, and I'm very fond of this family. But the dad said something interesting. He's a businessman, and he said you know, the problem with your business is it's not replicable, meaning there's only one soon. You have this crazy gift. I've never seen something like that, you know, with our children. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about his kids and also his brother's kids and how that's, I mean, he's thinking as a business model. So he's like, how do you replicate that? Like you can't, right? And this is something that's, and I would tell you at the time, I was obviously, this is a while ago, 12 years ago. Um, I didn't know how to answer him because yeah, there is only one me. Like there's only one you, right. Um, like there's only one Lenny. And I think the thing that I do think you can somewhat teach that might not be natural. Like you said, right. You have to go through more, more effort or exercise, more gymnastics to get there is a couple things. One, again, is paying attention and being observant paying attention to the child, not, you know, projecting your own stuff or what you hope to accomplish, but paying attention to what they're interested in going from where they are. And that, that by the way, is for parents, nannies, whomever with the child. So if you're not great at it, well, guess what? Now's the time to try. You have a ton of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you can, Even if the time is, you know, half an hour more than you normally have, and you work all the time, who cares? Like you have a little bit more time than you normally did, right? So, try and see if you can actually hone those skills because that might actually impact your relationship for the rest of your 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 lives as a parent and a child, or um, someone who's you know helping raise a child. Mm-hmm. I would say pay attention. I would say be very open. Meaning, you may think you know someone really really well. When what did I say in the beginning that people change all the time? So you can't really pivot or change or be flexible if you don't notice that person is pivoting or changing, Mm -hmm. right? So again, trying to pay attention to what brings the kid satisfaction or joy, even what challenges the kid. May not always be a bad thing. I think resilience is extremely important, right? So that's a good thing. I would also say, this sounds really simple and maybe harder to practice, spending time. I mean, I don't even know how much more simple it can get, right? We are very used to living very, very, very busy lives. So again, even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes at night or 10 or 15 minutes between meetings, spend some time. It can be anything. It can be reading a book. It can be unraveling yarn. Like it doesn't even matter. So again, observing, paying attention, being flexible, spending time. Okay. It's very, very simple. Yeah children need very, they need, actually no, they need a ton, yeah. but they also need very little in terms of the types of thing they, things that they actually need. The other thing that I notice, and every kid is different, Claire is a recluse. She loves to just hide from us and just be in a closet okay. meeting. I was so different and she wants to be heard. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of kids are like this where Claire's version of being heard is please leave me alone if I can go <laughs> in my closet and read all, all the Harry Potter books again, right? That's her version of being heard but and seen, right? Like you're respecting my space and need to be alone. Isla's is like, actually, please listen to me. I need your full attention. I don't want you anywhere near your phone. I need eye contact, you know? And my students have such a wide variety. Every Every parent, you know, You know that your kid needs certain things. If you don't know it that well, this is the time to figure that out right now, actually. Mm -hmm. Where's your child right now? Maybe it's been a while since you've checked in. Maybe use this time as an opportunity to actually see what's happening, see where they are.
0: Yeah. What kind of check-in
1: questions do you like to ask? I would say things like, hey, what's... I mean, maybe because it's pandemic, that's why I'm thinking this way, but like, what do you miss, you Mm. know? Um, what do you look forward to today? What do you want to do today? Even basic questions like what makes you happy? Yeah. Right? What makes you happy today? What do you think will make you happier? Is there anything that happened that you, you know, that made you sad? Even simple questions that maybe we don't have time to ask sometimes. Right. right?
0: A lot of, I just don't think to ask
1: questions like that a lot of times. Yeah. Or, or how about this? Who do you want to hug? You know, when all of this is over or, Hey, This is something really important that we haven't talked about yet, which is, and I respect you so much, you and Wes, for doing this, being like this. You guys are such generous people and always looking out for people, entire groups of people you don't even know. And another big thing that I've been doing with my children, I'm encouraging every family to do this. Instead of focusing on all, you know, it's very easy to get overwhelmed by all the negative things. Tell them about, kind things that people are doing and try to replicate Mm. that so in our family right now we're sewing masks right like i sew i sew anyway like i love sewing love sewing dresses and so we took out the sewing machine and started making masks you know you know first because you know why not let's make masks and then um and then for people in our community like we're gonna make them and just put it outside you know hang it on a tree that's great so Little things like that. It doesn't even have to be a mask. It could be. It could be anything. It could be like donating, having the kids go into the pantry. I would say maybe make it more self-directed. So say, what do you think we can do today? Instead of you saying, yeah. "What do you think we can do today to be of service to someone else?" Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so and so's grandmother is sick from COVID, or maybe it's just sick. Right? Is having a hard time. Hey, why don't we Facetime them? Or can you think of something we can do? children are incredibly compassionate naturally, right? They're, they're awesome. Yeah. Right? They're, they, they, they have so much feeling and empathy, right? We kind of, you know, accidentally as adults mess mm-hmm. that up, but they come out like that. So, you know, to basically get them to, again, agency, have agency over how they want to make things better or to make their community better. I mean, you can be, You can be a very little kid doing this. And you can also be, you know, an adult. So all of those things, those are good questions to ask. What can we do to be of service to people? How are you feeling today? And sometimes they can't articulate it again. So then you pay attention. Mm -hmm. Siblings may be fighting more. Okay. So think about what's really making them upset. Maybe it's not really about the doll or, you know, some some truck that someone took away or a Lego incident, maybe it's something something else. Maybe use that time to really think, not just the events that are happening, but what the events are refl- reflecting. Mm-hmm. And so if we as adults are having crazy levels of anxiety and it's coming out, whether through short tempers or whatever it is, lack of patience, for a child with a very underdeveloped prefrontal cortex, it's going to be extremely, even more the case, yeah. right? So. I would say, again, asking questions about how they're feeling, what they would like to do, even practical things like they may feel a loss of agency right now. Like, hey, let's go to the kitchen. Let's see what we can make to eat. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's let's see if, you know, let's let's make some choices today. What do you want to do? Yeah. today? Or is there anything you're interested in? You yeah. know? And, I don't know, giving them giving them some choice in a time of very little choice mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, I've seen yeah, other I parents Those are, offer I think- a
0: wide variety of outfits or, you know, just let go of the normal
1: mm-hmm.
0: routine, let them dress as a clown all day or whatever it is that they need
1: to do. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. No. I'm like... You know, like, Isla went into my closet the other day and, like, brought out, like, it was, like, a joke lingerie, okay, it was, like, so tacky, it was, like, fuchsia pink, and if you, if you know me, you know I would never wear anything like this, okay? So, fuchsia pink, like, bright, bright flowers everywhere, and she, like, wore it like a dress. Oh my gosh, that's that. awesome. She, like, she wore it, she, like, yeah. you know? Yeah. I'm, like, you know what, you do whatever, you, whatever you want to do, if you want to, We're that all day long. Who cares? This is the time to be expressive and just. I think we can all use this time to not only better know know ourselves, but our kids. And then, by the way, you know, you don't have to be a psychologist or an educator. You can just pay attention to your Mm -hmm. kids. You know, I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah, that's That's really beautiful.
0: And on that same note, just sort of in terms of being aware of our own behavior my little guy is only two and I can tell he really picks up on the conversations that we have my mother-in-law is living with us right now she's amazing Mm -hmm. but we Mm -hmm. if it's if we're one-on-one we're always having political conversations and that can be a source Mm -hmm. of anxiety for kids and for adults (laughs) but I know I've been trying to kind of monitor what I say about what's going on because even though Lenny's tiny and he doesn't maybe he doesn't understand i can tell he picks up on the anxiety around our conversations so what would you say yes, about he, talking about this your with kids and around kids
1: i would say watch your tone one thing that's really interesting is when they study babies who are learning languages and they learn how to communicate by watching their parents facial mm-hmm. expressions it's the facial expression and the tone that they pick up on right? yeah so not even particularly language like you said you know, Lenny may not totally understand, although he's a little genius. We all know that. Like his, he's gonna be a little future like engineer. Like I don't know, I don't know what he's gonna do with that light and fan impression. Like <laughs> he's gonna uh, work out Lamb He's, at he's, going and he's places, gonna like...
0: love it. He might become the manager one day. <laughs> you,
1: maybe if he's lucky, yeah. right? If he can asp- aspire to be that, I, that can <laughs> me up. But I'm saying he can pick up on tone and emotion, and. I think watching tone, watching facial expressions, also recognizing when you're getting kind of Mm -hmm. heated, okay? And, like, kind of telling yourself, I I need to, like, chill, take a pause, take a walk, especially right now since we're all inside and really kind of locked in, right, or locked down. It can feel very claustrophobic. So when you're feeling like that emotionally, take a pause, get up, walk around, you know? I'm a big believer in taking a break if, if it's getting to the point where you feel your emotions creeping into how you're talking about something around a mm. child who may not understand, but can definitely pick up on emotional cues. That child has been listening to you their whole life. Yeah. They know. That child <laughs> probably knows you better than you know right. yourself. They can sense when you're angry, when you're scared, and when you're pleased, mm-hmm. right? And so it's being attuned to that, and by the way, I don't think it's necessarily always bad that they know you're upset actually, mm-hmm. or that they, they know you're worried, because that's a human, that's part of the human vocabulary too, in terms of emotions. But I think you and I, we know what we're talking about, which is that very anxious, very sometimes politically charged yeah. right? Um, worry really, and concern and fear, which is super normal yeah. right now. But being, again, I think it keeps coming back to f- awareness. Mm-hmm. paying attention and being very mindful um realizing too that children listen and pay attention to every yeah everything right on the
0: forgiveness side of that too my therapist recently told me that she has Mm -hmm. a belief that it's okay to freak out in front of your kids as long as you also recover in front of them so they know that there's a way to recover
1: (laughs) yes and that it's okay. Like, that's what I was saying. Like, it's okay to express anxiety and worry and even to have arguments with people that you love about things you disagree, but they need to see the coping mm-hmm. after, the reconciliation. And you're okay now. You're fine, right? You're, yeah, you're going to be we okay. That's okay, yeah. too. Yeah. And it's okay if mommy and daddy argue about something. It's okay if, you know, we're in this really weird situation right now and, you know, things don't feel normal. That's okay, yeah. too. Yeah. The conversation, yeah, you would have with Lenny right now maybe wouldn't be verbal in that way, mm-hmm. right? It would be physical. It would be hugging. Yeah. Him making sure that he sees your facial expressions. Um, and by the way, the facial expressions and tone, I don't think it's just for Lenny and like little kids. I think it's for everyone. For sure. Watching, maybe being more cognizant now than ever of how you say things in this particular climate. Um there's been a lot of like, fear-mongering and a lot of political divide in this mm-hmm. country. And I think it is very easy to forget that this is a time where we need as much as possible to extend mm-hmm. compassion and to think about what are the things we actually agree on. Well, let's agree that you know this is going to be devastating to certain people in industries. Let's see what we can do to help, yeah. right? That's undeniable, right? So. I think it's very, very easy, especially especially if you're not someone who lives paycheck to paycheck, right. right? To be in this complete routine of, you know, doing A, then B, then A, then B, then A, then B, and just on repeat over and over. This is like this crazy, I think we call it in New York, an extended pause, right? Like, a, But really a pause and a time of just, hey, what matters to me? Like, I, I think we talked about this a couple nights ago, like, you know, what I've realized is, oh, who matters to me? Yeah. (laughs) Like, who are the people I want to see? Who are the people I want to hug, right? And kids are thinking the same things, by the way. Who are the friends that they miss? Who do they want to talk to? Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't underestimate that those emotions are running through them Mm -hmm. too, you know? Like, um, I just had a conversation with Claire about it the other day. I'm like, who are the friends that you miss the most? And. Obviously, I'm not yeah. naming them here, but there there were a few that she really, really missed, and that there are a few that she didn't know she would miss as much mm. as she did. And so, I think it's a great time of reflection, assessment, observing, and patience, and building all those tiny muscles that we underestimate as a society. Mm. Right? Yeah. It's very easy to emphasize achievement, mm-hmm. right? all the pretty, visible, shiny things, right? But what about the things that are hidden, that are quiet, that are on a different frequency, that are just as important, if not, in my opinion, way more mm-hmm. important? Maybe because we're being forced to be in the situation, we can all dial into that. Yeah. That, to me, is the mm-hmm. most important thing. Can you be a kind, compassionate, feeling, understanding, even if you screw up, can you apologize? These things are so much more important than anything else than an SAT score, you know, Stanford Benet test right. Right? or the regents exam. Like these things are invaluable to your child. In fact, if your child can do these things, they can do the rest, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I'm thinking to uh, right now one particular kid who is probably the hardest worker that I know. So he is on the spectrum. I met him I think 6 years ago and uh had to switch schools. There was a lot of people of people in his life. And what I observe from him from day 1 is this kid is the hardest worker I have ever met. He's probably also a kid who has a great deal of challenges academically, right? Uh in terms of learning differences, but such a hard worker over 6 years, I would say The amount that he has accomplished okay the achievement end is is extreme but it's because the work ethic his kindness he respects people he listens all those invisible traits and muscles you know are strong Mm -hmm. and then it led to him you know being able to do things but despite natural limitations so that's something else i want parents to think about right now too Like, it's very easy when you're a parent to think you know everything about your kid and to think you know what's best for your child. Maybe right now you should observe your child and actually see what Mm. they need and what they want. I'm I'm applying this to myself, too, by the way. I'm not not immune to it. Yeah, what do you do
0: when you just can't stand your kid, also? When you're spending, I know that's a harsh word, but I've heard a lot of. Oh that's a that's real. Yeah, there are moments we all do.
1: change every day, but but yeah. You know what's really funny? You know what you could do? Instead of being like, okay, you need a timeout, you know what you could say, I need a timeout. I love that, yeah. <laughs> peace out, peace out, homies. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a timeout for mommy. I'm gonna close the doors. I need I 15 love minutes. Is that a enough while. time to drink a glass of wine? I'm just <laughs> no, definitely. Guzzle that yeah. shit down. You need to just like chug no. at that point, yeah. right? That, that is, you can't waste time, Granny. <laughs> what
0: are you doing? Thanks for listening. For more, visit us at adventurenannies.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. To send us love letters, questions, or ideas for future episodes, email us at podcast at adventurenannies.com. Bye. Bye.